can you still split income with a trust? And the answer is yes, you can still split income. To be safe, you need to pay that income immediately to those people for those president entitlements. And if you don't, none of these documents are saying that that alone is a problem. The fact that you have not paid it straight away, what these documents are saying is that it may be a problem depending on the exact situation. to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 346 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to class for sponsoring this episode. Blue Zone Arrangements, PCG 2022-D1 talks about white, green, blue and red zone arrangements. White is nothing, green is all clear, red is a no-go. So that leaves the blue zone in the middle. The one where you are potentially in trouble or not, but it isn't really certain. The ATO might look at you or not. Let's look at that blue zone closer. What puts an arrangement into the blue zone and not the green or red one? Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Melbourne will walk you through the examples the ATO gives to distinguish between green, blue and red. This is the Draft Practical Compliance Guideline which assesses or explains how the Commissioner proposes to um, assess risk in relation to compliance with Section 100A. And there's a distinguishment between four different zones. We've got a white zone, a green zone, a blue zone, and a red zone. Now, I think most of the confusion and criticism, or at least a lot of the confusion and criticism is around blue zone arrangements. And you'd think that a blue zone arrangement, you know, I kind of think blue zone, I kind of think the ocean, it's tranquil, it's peaceful, and, you know, everything's all good. But Essentially, what this is, is it's kind of like a gray zone rather than a, than a blue zone. Essentially, this is the category where if the arrangement doesn't fall within one of the other zones, it's in the blue zone, or so I'll call it the gray zone. And what the ATO say on that is that they may still be subject to review, but they're less likely to attract the ATO's attention as compared to arrangements that are in the red zone. The ATO may contact you to understand the arrangement and try to resolve that. So the problem is that most or many arrangements fall into this blue zone category. For example, anytime there's a gift of a trust entitlement or there's a disclaimer of entitlement or there's a a forgiveness of, of a UPE, or there's a mismatch between trust law income and net income, or the entitlements are paid by way of offsetting uh, dividends, all those things are in the blue zone, which means that you really don't have any sort of practical help on those arrangements. Basically, the ATO is saying, you might get looked at, but you're a lower chance of getting looked at than these other specific arrangements. Can you just elaborate what's in the green zone and what's in the red zone? Because it seems to be that green and red are a lot more clear cut. That is is true. So the arrangements that are in the green zone 
are the examples given in the PCG. So there's, I believe, six scenarios, and those are in the green zone so long as there aren't any facts that move the arrangement out of that green zone. It's very sort of limited. It's unless you fit squarely within one of the examples of those green zone arrangements, which are mainly to do with things like joint bank accounts between husbands and wives, funds in very limited circumstances, then you're not in you're not in the green zone. It's clear what's in the green zone, it's just that there's not much in the green zone. The green zone covers essentially around about six examples. And if your circumstances fit squarely within those examples, and there's no additional features that move your situation to a higher risk category, then you are in the green zone. The trouble is those, those examples are fairly limited because of course, you know, an example can only cover one set of facts and they're mainly in relation to uh, joint bank accounts between a husband and wife, spouses, or the retention of funds by trustee in very limited circumstances. So the green zone is quite clear. However, it is quite limited in what is actually covered in that green zone. So retention of funds by the trust would be something short-term, a minor amount for a specific expense or something, correct? The retention of funds by the trustee is green zone scenario number three. Essentially, it applies in a scenario like there's a business being run by a trust and the funds are being used as working capital in the business. And the present entitlement is to either the controller of the trust, their spouse, or someone employed in the management of the business. So in other words, not other people. So for example, adult children or perhaps parents, or some other person who's not controlling the trust. So it's quite limited because of who it can apply to or which, which present entitlements it can apply to. So the person has to be working in the trust, so they have to be an official employee or they just have to be able to control the trust? They have to either control the trust, be the spouse of the controller, or be employed in the management of the business that the trust conducts. Good, because I was thinking where well, you can just make the adult children employees, but of course, employees only apply if the uh, trust runs a business. So if the um, trust doesn't yeah, run a business, if they then run it would... and they're genuinely involved. So if the trust runs a business and the children are employees of the business, then you can have retention of funds for a much larger group. But if the trust doesn't run a business and it's just passive investments, then it comes down to who controls the trust and their funds can be retained. Though there is an example for the investment asset situation as well. I think that, that that will be okay as well. The point is mainly that it needs to be, it's only limited situations where adult children's present entitlements would be covered by, by this green zone example. So let's say you have a family trust and all adult children are directors of the corporate trustee. So the, the parents as well as all adult children are corporate trustees and they're involved in running the trust, for example, because they do the investment research or similar. 
then the trust could retain and reinvest all their entitlements and basically have them as a capital contribution. So they are distributed to the adult children, but then the adult children basically re-contribute them as capital so that they can be further invested. So that is that a green zone arrangement? That's a green zone arrangement. I suppose it's a convenient time to talk about what a green zone is and what it does from a legal perspective because you might have a client where they want to fit within one category rather than another category but it's worthwhile noting what you know what what the question is what legal protection do you have by being in one category versus another i'll give you the short answer and then i'll give you the long answer to that the short answer is you have absolutely no legal protection and if you're in white or red or green or blue, those things are really neither here nor there in terms of the actual law because all of all this is doing is the commissioner's comp- explaining his approach towards compliance and where resources will be allocated. If you are subject to an audit uh, or an examination, the fact that you're in one of these categories or in another category doesn't change the law or how the law is applied. But it still means that it gives you an indication of how you should structure affairs so that the ATO looks at them more pleasingly? Yeah, it gives you an indication of, well, I I think it gives you an indication of what would be probably low risk. I don't think it tells you much beyond that, though, because if your goal is to reduce risk to the absolute lowest level possible, then it, I mean, it's helpful with that. And I guess as, a, as an overarching comment, if you want to reduce your risk in tax to the lowest level possible, then whenever there's a choice about whether to pay less tax or more tax, then you know, pay more tax. And then there's no, there's no dispute because there's no risk and there's no issue. My point is that it doesn't change the law. And then the other point that I wanted to make is that it's a draft practical compliance guideline as well, not a finalized practical compliance guideline. And it seems that the difference between the two is really a draft is essentially almost a consultation phase on how the commissioner proposes to assess risk, but that that will be thought about or considered further as part of a as part of the consultation process. So it's a very interesting situation. Yeah. So I accept your caveats. It's only a draft. It's only a PCG, not a law. So I accept all these caveats. But taking those into account from what you said before and making the loop back to what you said before, it seems to be that whether adult children are part of the corporate trustee or not as directors seems to play a role. Is is that a fair comment? That you can reduce the risk by making the children part of the corporate trustee. Well, potentially, what it says, and, and, if, and if we're going to get technical on the words used, it says the individual needs to control the trustee of the trust. Now, let's say you have a corporate trustee with four directors, and let's say two of them are adult children, then neither director controls the trustee of the trust. They have a role to play, but they on them, they themselves do not control the trust. So probably a, a not correct that simply by adding adult children as perhaps as directors of the trustee 
you've you've somehow moved an arrangement into a green zone because you might not actually still meet that criteria. So it only works if somebody holds fifty one percent of the trustee. It would seem so. They need to they need to control the trustee or be the spouse of the controller. So that's the words used now. Whether practically it might make a difference, it's, it's hard to hard to know at this stage. The other type of arrangements that we have are red zone arrangements, and those are ones that are the subject of a tax alert, or they have other features that are that involve contrived elements or appear to be motivated by sheltering the trust's income from higher rates of tax, which are very, they're very broad statements. So they give a number of specific examples of arrangements that are red zone, but I guess there's still a question mark on whether something is a red zone arrangement or is perhaps a blue zone arrangement. The red zone examples are things like the washing machine arrangements. So for example, the facts of Guardian's case would be a red zone arrangement. And the facts of the taxpayer alert where you've got the adult children reimbursing the parents for the um, expenses for the, you know, the high school fees, for example, are also a red zone arrangement. Still a little bit hazy. What is green? What is blue? And what is red? So green is basically joint bank accounts is fine. Retention of funds by the controller of the trust plus the spouse is fine. And then... Basically anything beyond that is either blue or red. Exactly. Then blue is gifting the money back, basically disclaiming your entitlement, which is basically like a gift, then forgiving the um, UPE and then offsetting... Yeah, and, and also when there's big mismatches between trust law income and net income as well, which could happen when you have a capital gain, for example, and you define income as income according to ordinary concepts. But most trusts nowadays include capital gain in the trust income. Do you agree? Most modern trusts will have a power where the trustee can choose which way to go on, on that question, whether or not the income is income according to ordinary concepts or section 95 income or some other determination of income so and they can decide that every year they can decide this again every year yeah yeah so you you could have a situation for example where there's ordinary income and there's a capital gain the trust determines that the income of the trust state is the ordinary income and then determines which beneficiaries will be entitled to that. And then the amount of tax paid by those beneficiaries is worked out based on both the ordinary income and the capital gain. But the difference is that the, the only amount the trust is required to pay to that beneficiary is the ordinary income. So and I can explain this through an example, which perhaps makes it, makes it um, clear what this is getting at. You may have adult children, for example. The amount that you need to pay them is less than the amount that they are uh, that they need to include in their assessable income. And let's say the situation is such that the amount you need to pay them is very close to the amount of tax that they need to pay on the higher assessable income figure. So that's really what that's getting at. Andrew, I was just thinking of a scenario which you would still save tax 
but I think it would fall under white or green. And that is, let's say you have a trust and let's say that trust has $100,000 of income and you have three children who are on low tax brackets and you pay them each $20,000 each and then yourself and your spouse 20000 as well. So in total, in total, everybody gets 20000 The parents are at the top marginal tax rate, so they pay 47% on their 20000 but the children are, have no income. And if this money is then paid out, because as a living expense, because these children are financially dependent on their parents, then you still have basically $60,000 of tax-free income. Whereas if you had done it otherwise, if you had distributed these 60000 to the father and the mother, and then they paid the living expenses to the children, then you, know, you would have had a lot less to distribute because you would have paid more tax. That's the only scenario really where I can see that you would still in white and green and still save tax. Yeah, so the scenario essentially where the, the trust is applying offsets against sort of legitimate expenditure of the adult children. Yeah, not just offsetting, it's actually paying the money to the children because otherwise the parents would have had to pay the money out of their private pockets. So now the trust pays the money to the children so they can cover their living expenses. Yeah, so basically if you financially support certain family members anyway, then you might as well pay it out of the trust and then nobody pays income on it, whereas if it's paid to you and then you, you pay this financial support, then of course you would pay high marginal tax rates at it. I think that's really the only scenario where you can save tax and still be in the white or the green zone. Don't you agree? Yeah, so I guess the question is, you know, can you still split income with a trust? And And the answer is yes, you can still split income. It's just that if you, to be safe, you need to pay that income immediately to those people for those present entitlement. Yes. And if you don't, none of these documents are saying that that alone is a problem. The fact that you have not paid it straight away, what these documents are saying is that it may be a problem depending on the exact situation. If you pay it out, you're in the green zone. If you don't pay it out, then you move into the blue zone. Correct. So that's the blue zone. So children running a business or going through a relationship breakup could possibly have a defense against section 100A. In the next episode, episode 347, let's give section 100A one last push and go through the questions that have come up over the past few episodes about 100A. And that will be the last episode in our mini-series about Section 100A with Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Melbourne. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Klaus for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.